Recording, recording. The mics are on. No mistakes. No editing. Just, we only go forward. <laughs> we do it live. Everybody's been talking about the fully nude podcast. This is the fully unedited podcast. Oh my gosh. How messy. Wet and wild. Wet and wild. Welcome to Witch Yes, a podcast for casual conjurings, witches in training, and the spirit of Christmas past, present, and future, baby. And I'm Muppet Alicia. And I'm the ghost of Terra Present. Because <laughs> my presence is a present. Absolutely. But I'm like a big titted Muppet. I just like want you guys you to are visualize. Fully, like, you're, it's dipping. It's a V-neck. It dips far. It like it dips so far where you're like, it's too far. <laughs> you see her belly button. You see my belly button. You see the hand that's controlling her. There's like a little areola peeking out. You're like, Oof, we're dangerous. We're in the danger zone. <laughs> I got these big lips. Mm-hmm. I'm like a whole vibe, really. And behind you is Animal. He's playing the drums. I love this. On today's episode, La Bafana, which is in the news and a spell for the winter solstice because it's right around the corner. Here she comes. She's coming around the river bend. <laughs> I was just watching Pocahontas. How did you like know? Oh, really? Yeah. You did have a Pocahontas energy about you. Stop. I think so, too. I literally mm-hmm. said that to Marcel. I was like, I'd be Pocahontas. <laughs> and he was like, okay, white woman. <laughs> I was like, no. She can't be controlled. She's got her mother's spirit. I have so many animal friends. Mm-hmm. Animals mm-hmm. love me. They do. And I love talking to trees. And you also disregard your best friend as you jump over a waterfall. That friendship? Pocahontas isn't the best friend. But I also don't think I would jump over a waterfall. That's a little too ballsy for me. Baby, what's up? Uh, not much. What's up with you? <laughs> well, this is the last episode of our season, season five. What a whirlwind. I feel like we need a whole clipped edit reel of everything that's happened, like a flashback reel. When Alicia and I were talking when we were filming the minis last time, she was like, I just feel so bad because all these baby witches ask for, they don't ask for money. They don't ask for good content. All they ask for is consistency. <laughs> and, and that's it, the one thing we can't give them right now. Not right now. Well, not this season. But I do feel like next season, you know, it's, we can only go up from here. <laughs> we ghost them. Never to see them again. <laughs> no. But a lot happened. Can we talk about what happened? This whole year? Yeah, I got a divorce. No, you didn't. You got a wedding. Not a marriage, just a wedding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank God. I moved across the country. What else happened? That was basically it. What, you... It was busy as hell! That is a a tough one. I mean, you... Did Marcel start his new job this year? No. He started that last year. Time is wild. Time is weird. I don't understand it. It all gets kind of smushed and elongated. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. The Barbie movie came out. Yep. Important for the cultural zeitgeist. 
uh, the U.S. Uh, affirmed that there were UFOs. Oh, yeah. The aliens were real. And honestly, we don't care. We knew that. You don't need to tell us something 20 years too late. Uh, Britney Spears came out with her her expose. I wanted to read it so bad. I just haven't gotten to it yet. I think it'll be really good and juicy. And apparently there's like a bidding war over it about like making it into a film. Really? Already? Everyone wants it. Everyone wants the rights. Yeah. Because it's salacious. Should we bid? What's our bid? I got $50. I had like $2. So 52 is our total bid. Okay. 52 period. That's, zero, zero. That sounds competitive. <laughs> it's competitive for us. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about what whatever tax bracket we're in, I've been unemployed for a year. <laughs> oh, that was the other thing that happened this year. I quit my job. Yeah, you quit your job. That was a big deal. I gave the speech of a century at your wedding. Oh, yeah. Literally put it in the books. It was beautiful. Thank you. And yeah, and now the holidays are approaching. Speaking of holidays, I do have one thing to share, Mm -hmm. which is that uh, I have a show opening December 1st in the city. It's literally tomorrow when this podcast airs. So tomorrow in the city at the Art for Laudato Sea at 32 Prince Street in Manhattan, I have a show opening called Organic for All. It's a group show. And the venue is only open for the event until December 3rd. So you've got about three days to see it if you'd like to go. Exclusive. Yes. A very exclusive. Also called pop-up show but uh (laughs) december 1st is the opening night from i believe it's six to eight and again that's at 32 prince street in manhattan and i hope to see you there go there go get prince street pizza right after have a great day and who doesn't want to be in new york city during the holiday season oh my gosh that tree oh it's stunning the ice skating they take out the big ornaments they put them up everywhere yeah it's beautiful where do you think they keep those guys? With the rat czar. <laughs> and he hands them out. He's like, how many cheeses are you trading this year for the big ones? Yes, yes. And they that's why there's no cheese in this fucking city. That, that's also, yeah, very true. Because the rats have been collecting it all season mm-hmm. to bring to their czar. For his holidays. That's how their economy works. We can't knock it. Let's talk also about another economy. Yes. The Patreon economy. (laughs) (laughs) The economy of uh, $5 Patreon level and above. Uh, So, baby witches, as of today, whatever day that is for you, we are two Patreon episodes away from 100. Ooh. Wow. For what? How much? $5. In this economy, we've never raised it. There's no inflation on Patreon. (laughs) Five dollars. That's true. Six months ago, very different than five dollars now. Like cheaper than your Starbucks drink. Oh, one hundred percent. It's like there's only four things you can count on in this world: death, taxes, the dollar fifty hot dog and coke at Costco, and that Patreon level five dollars and above for which yes will give you almost a hundred extra episodes a month. What a time to be alive! Last week we talked about Tibetan singing bowls, and next week. Just in time for the holiday season, that Polar Express movie that I know we all love, The Uncanny Valley. Why do those kids look so weird? Well, they're going through puberty. And how do we feel about it? And how do we, what are we going to do about these children? That's the most important thing. All right, baby, what are we going to talk about today? 
Today we're talking about La Bafana. How real. You brought this topic mm-hmm. to the table. Where did you hear about this Bafana character? I swear we did research about her many years ago. But we didn't have a whole episode dedicated to her. It was just like a little blip. Maybe we were talking about Yule or something and it was a little blip. I have no idea if that is the right episode. If she's hidden in another episode. I don't know. But she came to our attention like a while ago. And I was like, you know what? Sounds nice and fun and holiday spirit. This bitch. More importantly, this witch. (gasps) This witch. This witch. So who is she? Baby witches. La Bafana is an old witch from Italian folklore that delivers presents to children at the beginning of the new year. I love presents. I love New Year's. I love witches. This is great. She carries a woven basket on her back full of candies, fruits, and toys for good children, as well as onions, garlic, coal, and sticks for naughty children. Sticks. Here's a stick, you bad kid. That's like a weapon. I think <laughs> kids is. could make sticks like for fun. Oh, and then you start wrapping that those little onion peels around the coal, attach it to the stick. All of a sudden, you've got a tomahawk. Oh, you're right. And they're going to take over the town. Lord of the Flies style. <laughs> Along with her backpack of treats, she also carries a broom with which she sweeps out the problems of last year in time for your new year. And if she catches you peeking at her, she's going to swat at you. Oh, no. Get out of here. Children can send letters to La Bafana, and a town in Italy called Urbania sets up a little house in their town square every year, gives it a little mailbox, puts up that little flag, and accepts letters from children all over the country full of their wishes for La Bafana. That's so cute. So look at this little house. Isn't it so colorful? That's a beautiful little house. That is like prime real estate in the city. Oh, city center steps away from everything you need. One story, no stairs. You want to know how much it is to rent a La Bafana house in this economy? $10. (laughs) $4,000. $4,000. And that's if you want a kitchen. Did you hear that sometimes you have to buy another, a whole other kitchen? People take their kitchens with them in Europe. What? Are you being serious? I'm being 100% serious. How do you take your whole kitchen with you? You take the fucking cabinets? I don't know if they have cabinets. Okay. They take their stove. They take their Mm -hmm. fridge. They take their sink. Their sink? What about plumbing? I don't know. Okay. It's disgusting. (laughs) Well, I guess they're like, this is mine. I Mm. I purchased it. Everybody's always like, America's got so much problems. I'm going to leave my fridge for you. I'm a good person. You can have it. They do. Some apartments are like, we have no fridge. And I'm like, that's bizarre. Yeah. What is this, 1800s? Why would I want to move in to a place where, I, like, what do you what do? You do? You think I am have fridge money, but I'm renting? Yeah, exactly. If I have fridge money, I bought my McMansion. <laughs> Emphasis on the Mick. <laughs> it's a fun house. It's an inflatable house. It's in someone else's backyard. Yeah, but we have a lot of ball pit money. Okay, anyway, similar to Santa Claus and the biblical plagues of Egypt, children will leave out offerings for La Bufana. But instead of milk or the blood of a slaughtered lamb, our girl wants you to wine and dine her. Ooh. A, a woman's woman. <laughs> a woman of the people. Whatever is considered to be a regional delicacy in your province will do nicely paired with a Pinot Noir if you have it. 
Because she likes to drink. She likes to drink, like specifically likes wine. Today, naughty children are unlikely to receive actual coal for the new year, but instead receive rock candy that's been dyed with black food coloring. And the thing I really like about La Bafana, other than basically everything else about her, she seems delightful, is that every child gets at least a little bit of coal because every kid has been at least a little bit naughty. Wow. Way to call them out. So it's kind of like you can say nobody's perfect, but some people are less perfect than others. So the more coal you get, that's, I don't know if that's, that's just an aggressive way for parents to be like, you got to shape up. And also, can you imagine, why can't you be more like Tiffany? She's got less coal. She got an iPad from La Bafana. You, know you got a, a turby twist. And a stick. And a stick. It's hard out there for children. As she exists today, she's attached to the Eastern Christian Feast Day, Epiphany Day, which is where she gets her contemporary name, Fiesta del Epifana. Ah. But there's evidence that she's actually much older. Because as we all know, it actually takes a lot to destroy customs and beliefs, especially if there's like presents involved. Oh, we love presents. It's like presents and fucking. You can't get rid of them. It's true. Saturnalia and then Santa Claus. Yeah. And Santa Claus fucks. So where does she come from? And where did she go? There's a couple candidates for the original Bafana because the idea of benevolent and yet judicious old woman who loves Mm. children is fairly common, similar to how the archetype of scary old woman who lives in the woods and eats children is also prevalent. If there was ever like a foil to the Baba Yaga, it's La Bafana. Oh, the foil. Okay. I think the most likely candidate for the OG Bafana is the Roman goddess Strenia, sometimes pronounced Strenua. Or maybe it's Strenia. I don't really know because the Romans, ugly. It might be Strenia or Strenua. Strenua. Just trying to remember my Latin class, like how we would pronounce things. And you kind of like pronounce everything. But do you put like emphasis on everything? Strenia. 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 Like Flavia. Like Odysseus. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. not Odysseus. Unless you're from the Midwest, then it might be. Because you're just going to say every, every little syllable. Antigone. Antigone. That one was so hard. I was like, how the fuck do you say this bitch's name? I've never. Antigone? Antigone. But when I first read it, literally in undergrad, I was like, I don't know. I have no, no one, it's not coming with like a pronunciation guide. It just says Antigone. And I'm like, I guess that's her name. I don't fucking know. Okay. Here's how I feel. Mm -hmm. Why would you do a racist accent when you can do a shitty English accent? When you are a colonizer and an aggressor and someone that takes over basically all of Europe and large swaths of the Middle East and Africa, Mm -hmm. I'm going to pronounce your name wrong. Yeah. You don't get to be mad about it. Rome. That's fair. That's a good point. Anyway, this bitch, she's a bit of an enigma. We don't know how to say her name, but that's also because she's not super well known. And a lot of the information online seems to be edited with like a contemporary viewer. My main evidence for this is that she's like a Greek Roman goddess of the new year, but online sources say her feast day is January 1st, but Italy wouldn't adopt the Gregorian calendar until the 1500s, which is way outside the bounds of when this like new year goddess would have been Mm -hmm. formed, right? Outside of this, we know that Strenia was a goddess who brought in the new year and she 
loved children. She loved oh. the children. <laughs> she wanted to kiss their fat little faces and, and pinch their cute little cheeks and tickle their little toesies, which I have been known to do. How heartwarming. Her name comes from the word strena, which means gifts or good omen. And on the first day of the new year, people would bring gifts for the sake of the good omen, hopefully ushering in more good for the new year. Right? So it's kind of mm-hmm. like, we've got a precedence. Makes sense. Strenia's gifts are also very much like treat-based. So figs, honey, all kinds of sweets. And eventually, Strenia's gifts ended up transitioning to coinage. Give me that money. Uh, Gold coins. Silver coins. Copper coins. Tooth fairy rules. I have no evidence for this, but I bet that the kind of, quote, good omen you and your community gave said a lot about your values. So a town that's like really well off values a different kind of currency than a town that's like maybe lower on the economic scale. That makes sense. Like I get a sheep. Yeah. Why not? A little pet sheep. Or like you get a blouse. A shirt. (laughs) Some little shoes. An orange. In this economy? A pineapple. Oh my God, so decadent. A pineapple. They are probably like, what the fuck is this? Like this. What a strange animal. (laughs) But in this way, Strania is also a goddess of luck. You're kind of like trying to buy good fortune and good luck in the new year. The cute thing about Strania is that this doll doesn't live up on Mount Olympus or in an ivory tower in Manhattan. She lives in a grove of trees. Cute. And at the beginning of the new year, people would gather twigs from trees within this grove of the goddess Strania and weave them into crowns and wreaths which would be another thing that you gave as a symbol of good luck for the new year. I love that. And so crafts, food, money, and crafts. I love a crafty Christmas. Next up is Jubiana, who is both a witch and a festival in Northern Italy, which is, uh, happens around the final Thursday of January. Okay. The Jubiana is a witch that represents the personification of winter. A puppet is made of her in the weeks leading up to the Jubiana Festival, sometimes along with other character archetypes from folklore like the bear and the hunter, uh, the wild man, the shepherd. And then everyone from town collects sticks and logs to create a great pyre in the center of town. Some traditions decorate the town in black and red and play solemn funeral music as the puppet is paraded through the town by performers. Funeral music? The Jubiana witch is then burned on the funeral pyre to represent the destruction of winter. Burned? Yeah. It's funeral music because they're going to their death. Yeah. They're going to go kill winter. What? These poor puppets. I feel all the hard work. These craftsmen, these artisans. Oh, that's so sad. And then each town has certain elements of the ritual that they make their own. So in some towns, the witch is like ugly and evil. And this comes from a legend that tells of like, a hungry witch that eats children. And I'm going to quote from In Lombardita. A local woman has an idea in order to save her own son from being eaten by the witch that she's going to prepare a large pot of yellow risotto with sausage, hoping that the hag would rather taste a piglet's tender flesh and spare her child's life. She puts what? the pot near the window. And the and like Tom and Jerry, there's like a little stink line comes mm-hmm. across. And the little... uh. The, the the Gubiana comes over with her little witch nose. <laughs> this inviting scent attracts the Jubiana's attention, who rushed in to eat the risotto. She keeps eating it for the whole evening, right? Because you make so much. She's got her little, like, hands in there. Mm-hmm. 
And without realizing it, she eats all the way to sunrise. And as the sunlight hits her, she bursts into flames. That's crazy. And then they're like, la, 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 la. This is our town's whole personality. They run out skipping. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In Kantu, the witch is actually quite beautiful. She represents a seductress that wooed the guards at the gates of the city. After she's welcomed in, she steals the keys to the city, gives them to a warring state, Como, which then besieges the city and kills everybody. What? So every year they kind of reenact this act of vengeance. The city creates a dummy of this like kind of sexy witch, parades her through the streets, just like in uh, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Shame. Shame. Reads aloud a sentencing of death and then burns the puppet at the stake. This is so dark. Extremely. Wow. It's about killing women. Italians have very complicated feelings towards women and witches in particular. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, I'm not sure how this aligns with the wholesome tale of La Bafana, other than the fact that she's another witch that shows up around the first of the year in Italy, right? She's the nice witch. The other ones are the bad witches. Yes. Next up is Bersta. So let's move north beyond Italy to the alpine culture of Germany and Australia. Not Australia, Austria. Very different climate. Very different. No kangaroos. Here resides another New Year's Eve witch called Bersta. Bersta is really interesting to me because she's kind of part of this Germanic folk magic canon that I'm not super familiar with. But like as I was researching her, like... This, this whole schema, this whole like pantheon was like starting to reveal itself to me with all these very hard to say names. So I'm going to do my very best. Good luck. But Bersta, she's a witch, but she's also kind of a goddess. She has two forms, an ugly form and a beautiful form. The beautiful form is called Schornberchten. Okay. And the ugly form is known as Stjachberchten. That sounds pretty good to me. Sounds Thank German. You. Thank you. Thank you. Bersh's job is to show up during those 12 days between Christmas and the Epiphany, her favorite day being that final day. She comes to your house. Knock, knock, knock. Hello. Oh, my gosh. Um, and she's here to make sure that your children and your servants have been behaving and working hard all year. It's fair. If they have, they get coins. Again, gold, silver. Yum, 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 yum. Thank you so much. I'm going to invest this and become a millionaire someday. If they haven't, Birchta then guts them like a fish, <laughs> rips out their entrails, and replaces it with straw and pebbles. What? The Germans Ew. are up to some fucking insane shit. I believe that. Insane. Birchta is especially concerned with the tedious task of spinning thread. And if there's wool left, if she finds it, if there's wool left that was supposed to be spun and did not get spun, She's going to go through a murderous rampage throughout your house and probably your town. Wow. So it's not oh just about gosh. you. She's so scary. She's so scary. Birchta has been depicted uh, working on her spinning wheel, one of her giant feet working the pedal, and the other one just hanging out and being a swan foot, probably for what? magic reasons. She has like a swan foot, like it's webbed? It's like a bird foot. Wow. She has a posse called the Perchten. So she's Perchta. Then she's got her Perchten that show up during parades and other festivals. And they also come in kind of like these pretty versions and these scary versions. The pretty versions, the pretty Perchten, 
symbolize the bringing in of wealth and good fortune, right? Very La Bufana energy. Then the ugly Perchten are meant to drive out evil spirits, very like Halloween, very mm-hmm. like Sawin. Like, I'm going to put on a scary outfit and I'm going to scare these ghouls out of town. And in some tellings, Perchta is actually the one who leads the wild hunt. So she is 100% connected to kind of like this Celtic, like Western European architecture, spiritual architecture. So interesting and really, really terrifying. And while Germany and Austria are not Italy, I recognize that. I know that much of geography. Perchta actually has a Latin a French, and an Italian name. It's called Berta di Gran Piet, which means Berta with the big feet. Well, it's one big foot and one duck foot. To be honest, Italians, get it right. I mean, I guess it could be a large duck foot. What if it was little? I'm hoping it's little, like just a normal size, like swan foot. Mm -hmm. And then her other foot's just huge. Size 14 sneaker. (laughs) But she could still, like, she could order on, on online. It's not like a size 26 sneaker. Yeah, exactly. Additionally, some scholars pair her with the Scottish fairy queen, Nick Nevin, which doesn't make sense to me. But while we're here and we're ripping on Scotland, which I love to do, there was a point in time where people thought Nick Nevin might have been a real person from history because there are records of a Nick Nevin being executed for witchcraft. However, baby witches, it turns out that people in Scotland were nicknaming women accused of witchcraft Nick Nevin and like shouting it at them as they were burning them at the stake, similar to how we would call someone a Jezebel as like an insult. Wow. So you're a Nick Nevin. Nick Nevin. My Muppet version is definitely a Nick Nevin. (laughs) That's her name. (laughs) Yes. Just a slutty little Muppet. Mm-hmm. Well, that's quite rude, honestly. So let's get back to La Bafana and maybe something a little bit nicer. Uh, the Christians have their own version of the story of Bafana because, of course, they come in, they hear the rumors of this thing, and they're like, how can we use this for our evil? As Christians want to do. Of course. Evil. So let's set the stage for you guys. Virgin Mary, very virginal, very pregnant, is in the manger with her sugar daddy, Joseph. She's with her doula, who happens to be a horse, and she's ready to deliver that baby. It's literally my worst nightmare. (laughs) Your doula being a horse or or being in the manger. The doula being a horse, I think. I don't know. Or being a virgin who's pregnant. I don't really know. There's a lot of nightmarish situations intertwined in this. Oh, poor mare. Many, many miles away, the three wise men, we know those guys, were trekking to find this mysterious son of God. They stopped at Bafana's house to ask for directions. Bafana was like, I don't know, but you can stay here for a bit. Like, it's dark out. You're going to get mugged. You're carrying (laughs) jewels. What are you doing? The three wise men decided to stay at her house overnight. Because she had a really lovely home and it was very cozy and nice and probably smelled like cinnamon. And then the next day, the three wise men invited Bafana to join them on the journey to find baby Jesus. But Bafana declined. She said she was too busy with housework. She was like, this sounds long. I don't have the right shoes. This is 
I don't know if I want this. The three wise men leave, and then once they're gone, Ofana had a change of heart. She was like, damn, I could have kissed a baby god on the forehead. (laughs) She tried to find the wise men and the magical baby, but she just didn't know which way they went. She couldn't find them. She couldn't catch up to them. So she went home. So the legend is, to this day, Bafana is still out there searching for little baby Jesus. And she leaves all the good children toys and candy while the bad children get, like you said, coal or onions or and garlic. Which I'd be okay with an onion or garlic. Also, coal to cook that onion and garlic, that's like I know. the spice of life. It's like she just set you up with a whole meal. Yeah, 100%. All you have to do is find a carb and a protein. Another Christian legend says that Bafana used to be an ordinary woman with a child who she loved so deeply. Like, you know, she's a Facebook mom. Like, her whole life revolves around this kid. So, of course, one day, the child tragically dies, and Bafana was never able to move past her grief. Oh, no. Upon hearing the news that baby Jesus was born, Bafana set out to see him believing him to be her son. Like, she's kind of, like, mad with grief. And she's like, that's my baby. In this legend, Bafana did meet baby Jesus and gave him many gifts, which, of course, made him happy because he's a fucking baby. Actually, I don't think it would make him happy. Do you know, babies don't do anything. No. They like it when you smile at them. Like, newborns? Yeah, new babies, they don't really... They don't know about materialism. But anyway... Mm -hmm. Or money, coins. (laughs) Yeah, he liked the gifts. And baby Jesus ended up giving her a gift in return that she would be the mother of every child in Italy. Oh. (laughs) How did baby Jesus know about Italy? I don't know. (laughs) Was baby Jesus born in Italy? What? I'm so confused. No. What's the geography of this? I don't know if Italy's even a thing yet. No, it's definitely because the Roman Empire. But yeah, maybe it's but that's not, not Italy. Italy. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I don't know. This is. We've got some questions. Was the baby Jesus psychic? Yes. He could be psychic. Was the baby Jesus a witch? I mean, he must be. Clearly. Immaculate conception. <laughs> that's long form saying that's magic. Magic birth. That's the witchiest thing I've ever heard. Okay, and how can you celebrate Bafana today? Because she seems adorable. I want to celebrate her. I like her a lot. Me too. Bafana is still celebrated throughout Italy to this day. And Bafana festivals in Italy host about 30,000 to 50,000 people each year. And it could be you. You just have to show up. (laughs) The town of Urbania, which Tara mentioned earlier in this episode, is where the National Bafana Festival is held each year around January 2nd to January 6th. Yummy food is key to celebrating Bafana. You can make the sweet coal, which is basically an egg, sugar, a little lemon juice, and black food coloring. Small cookies called Befanini. I feel like Nini must mean small, right? Befanini. It must be. It's like an, it's like an Ito Iti. Ito if iti. you want something to be small, it'd be Alicini, Tarini. Or Alicia Sita. Yes, exactly. Artemisini. And a Bafana cake, which is a large cake that has one dried bean inside. Whoever gets the bean in their slice is queen or king for the day. Oh, so this is like king cake, king baby. This is, yeah. This is like finding the baby in the king cake. Wow. 
It's all connected, guys. It all is. We're just doing the same thing in different places and calling it different things, but it's all the same thing. It's crazy. We should all just kiss. Yeah. Absolutely. At Bafana festivals, people take to the street wearing big witch noses and carrying broomsticks. And it is said that if you ever saw the real Bafana, she would thump you on the shoulder with her broomstick. And for some reason, that was told to children to keep them from sneaking out of their beds at night. Like, don't get out of your bed. You might see Bafana and then she'll assault you. I don't really understand. She'll fucking slap you. Yeah, I don't really get it. I also read that you can use Bafana as a friendly insult around the holiday season. So instead of calling someone a witch, or what I think they really mean is a bitch, you can call them a Bafana. <laughs> You're being a real Bafana right now. It's supposed to be more teasing and cute than calling your sister a massive cunt. But also, Bafana rocks. Bafana, Bafana is great. Slaps. Yeah, I don't know. I don't call know. me a Bafana. You mean I'm a benevolent elder woman who cares about the little people? And that's what the sister says in retort. Okay. I guess it does set you up to be like, instead of calling someone a Grinch, mm-hmm. it'd be like calling someone a Santa Claus, which wouldn't be It's not that bad insult. at all. Just call your sister a cunt. Like, she is. Yeah, just beat the shit out of your sister. Be yeah, brave. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Stand up for yourself. <laughs> and if you ever want to wish someone a happy Bafana, you say, Bona Bafana. Bona Bafana. Bona Bafana. A bona bafana to you. A bona bafana to you. Kisses. Kisses on the little children's cheeks. I love her. Like, 1010 would do again. Yes. Would celebrate this bitch. I'm all about it. You get to be a witch during winter. Yes. And eat and get coins. Great. Send letters. I feel like it has all of the makings of an amazing post-Christmas holiday hype especially for children where like new year's is cool and all but it's like not the great thing about new year's is staying up late and getting drunk and like making promises to yourself that you're gonna break right yeah. but like children don't get to do a lot of that because they go to bed at 9 30 that's true so now it's something for them to look forward to i do have access to children now more than ever oh my gosh do you think i could start a la Bofana trend within the Bobrinskoys. Oh, yeah. A Bobrinskonofana. I love that. That's going to be so confusing to the parents who then have to deal with Santa Claus and Bofana, but that's also not your problem. They're not your kids. You get give them little kisses on their cheeks. And before I start kissing, left and right, it's now time for... Which is in the news. Oh my gosh, a back-to-back Alicia. Oh my god, we are here for me, Muppet form only. <laughs> You've seen one episode of The Golden Bachelor. Yes. I, he's charming. He sounds like a Muppet. Doesn't he? Batman I said this. is only Muppet. He sounds like a mixture between like a Gonzo and like a Kermit. Yeah. Like if they I had a baby, it would like make the charisma baby. of Kermit, mm-hmm. but like the drawl of a Gonzo. Yes, I totally am behind that. I told that to Marcel. I was like, "Close your eyes. Is that a Muppet?" <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, this is a great way. Golden Bachelor has been a great introduction to the Bachelor, and he's so sweet. And I'm not going to ruin anything for you, but he's like so considerate of others that I just feel mm-hmm. like the younger. 
men and women are probably not like that at all. No, I mean, it is a it is actually a really poor introduction to The Bachelor because a lot of it is way more slutty and uh, drama ridden. Okay, where, there's like, a little sluttiness to The Golden Batch, and I yeah, commend them. I'm like, give me that 60, 70 year old slut. Yes, it's it's like it feels empowering. Yeah, it's different when a 21 year old girl does it where I'm oh, like, for sure. You didn't have options. You were never going to be a marine biologist, were you, Emma? No. She doesn't even like the ocean. She doesn't like to get her hair wet. No. Anyway, back to... Back to this. Back to me. Our first story is a witchy marriage. All right, get ready for this one, okay? Everyone, buckle up. Gia Vitali, a 33-year-old witch from Long Island, New York, decided that this was going to be the autumn of love for her and her only. This witch decided that it was time to marry the person she loved most in the world, herself. Oh my God. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> come on this journey with me. Apparently back in 2017, Gia read an article about sologamy. I don't know if that's how you say it. It sounds disgusting, but it's like, instead of monogamy or polygamy, it's sologamy. Sologamy? Sologamy? Either I don't way, know. it's slog. Yeah, I feel the spit in my mouth when I say it. <laughs> but it's the practice of marrying oneself. And Gia decided that day, that day she read the article, that she was going to ask herself to marry herself. And this past Halloween, Gia held a self marriage ceremony. The marriage is not legally binding, but I'm always down for a party, you know, so I'm like, we're interested in what's going to happen. That's fine. The ceremony began with sacrificial offerings, including Reese's peanut butter cups, apple juice, and tea light candles to pagan gods, as well as tracing her wedding necklace over a pentagram as a blessing. Wow. Gia repeated her self-written vows to herself before securing the necklace around her neck, making her married to herself from that moment onward. She said that she is both autosexual, which is being sexually attracted to oneself and autoromantic, which is being romantically attracted to oneself. I actually didn't know that. I was like, that's a new definition for me. I've never heard of that in my life. Is this real? I don't, but it, I'm like, it makes so much sense for me. I am the sexiest person here. I love myself. Confirm, confirm all of that. Autosexual <laughs> is not being attracted to cars. I thought that's what oh, it was. Oh, that's a good point. No, autoeroticism is when people are more attracted to themselves than others. Like autoerotic asphyxiation, you're attracted to like asphyxiating yourself. On marrying herself, Gia said, I feel like a more complete person now. Now that I've finally performed my self-marriage ceremony, I feel a heightened sense of fulfillment, peace, and security within myself. She goes on to say, it's become clear to me that marrying myself is something I've needed to do for myself for a while. So... This did happen. I saw her Instagram. This is a real person. What are your thoughts on this? I don't, I'm not here to yuck anyone's yum because it's no, like, never. it's not, it doesn't affect me. Everything's and that's made basically up. basically like my life. Every, every single fucking thing in this world is made up. I like the idea of a commitment ceremony to yourself. I think that's very lovely and empowering. But I, I did not like how she said, I feel like, a more complete person. Now, I feel like that puts that that like pressure that's already on marriage, 
that it's like, oh, you're not a complete person unless you're with someone or like you're married to someone. Mm-hmm. That like, I don't know, Disney love story fantasy that, I mean, maybe it's better for the youths, but millennial culture still hasn't in high regards. And so did anyone like older than us. And so I feel like that's antithetical to like choosing yeah. to love yourself, of being like, now I feel more complete. Because it kind of makes it, I feel more complete because I did the marriage ceremony to myself. And she also went on to say, though, that she would never be with anyone. Like, she's open to being with someone else, but they can't, like, deny her reality of her married to herself. So at that point, I guess it's like she's doing polygamy. Yeah, she's, she's like, joining a polycule. Yeah, I don't know. So that's where I kind of got stuck. I like this commitment ceremony to yourself and that, you know this is your life, this is your body, this is your chance, like, you should be kind to yourself, treat yourself like you would a lover, although my lover's got to be, you know, da-da-da. That's a lot of pressure. My lover? That's a lot of pressure. My lover, my, I would not want to be my lover. No, thank you. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I... It's kind of a lot. It is a lot. I think that I would enjoy being at that party. Mm-hmm. I mean, reasons. I don't think any of my friends would do this, which makes me think that I wouldn't enjoy someone that's like into shit like this. Mm-hmm. But also, I am not a good barometer for interesting or valid people. Yeah, dude, I'm friend with my friends are idiots. We are. They're beautiful, but beautiful idiots. <laughs> Fucking stupid. No, <laughs> no, I just like it's not my vibe. However, what is my vibe is mechanophilia, which is being sexually attracted to machines, bicycles, cars, helicopters, and airplanes. That's crazy. How are you sexually attracted to a bicycle? And what do you do if you're sexually attracted oh, to you a boink bicycle? The, you, you, the pedals? Well, I feel like if you have a vagina, you're probably handlebars. Oh, duh, the handlebars. Yeah. Duh, Alicia. Knock that thing on the ground and you just sit on top of it. Do you remember there was like a show that was like My Strange Addiction? Yes. And there were a whole series of episodes that were like, I'm sexually attracted to this. There was a guy that was sexually attracted and in a massive like sexual polycule with a series of inflatable pool toys. But then there was the woman who was sexually attracted to a Ferris wheel and like got married to the Ferris wheel. How do you do that? It can't sign papers. No, it can't sign papers. But she got fired from her job at a train station because she got caught trying to have sex with the train cars. And I'm not saying that's this. But what I am saying is it's a slippery slope, Gia. (laughs) Gia, whatever your fucking name is. Yeah. I couldn't get past the My Strange Addiction where they're like eating tire chips. I think that's where it ended for me. It began and ended in the first episode. You know what I think about also is wasn't the woman that was into eating cheesy potatoes on My Strange Addiction? She could only eat cheesy potatoes. She ate cheesy potatoes for like 12 years of her life. That's, I mean, potatoes are delicious, but the only thing, although I heard potatoes have a lot of the nutrients that you kind of need. Minus like vitamin C. It like has everything besides that. So if there's going to be one food you dedicate your soul to, like may as well be a potato. She lived. Thanksgiving, blast. Having the best time. But no one judges you. No, not at all. 
Okay, well, let's continue on. Oh, God. There's more. This is crazy. There's more. Our second story, alleged witches receive psychological support in Ghana. The Commission on Human Rights and Administrative Justice joined forces with a psychology-focused organization called Total Life Enhancement Center to create a retreat for 330, that's a lot, Ghanaians, who were accused of being witches by their communities. The French embassy in Ghana funded the project. This project was focused on the rehabilitating of those condemned in their communities for being witches that we often talk about by providing them psychological support to help them with dealing with the feelings of trauma, betrayal, and isolation from their former communities. And of the people who attended, about 140 of those people were children and teenagers. Just a lot of kids. That's like over a third. The article didn't go into much more detail than that, but it did say another psychological trauma that these survivors have had to deal with included trauma with food, that their villages would, in a sense, starve them or try to control or punish them by food. And so a lot of trauma, now that they're out, is interwoven with the survivor's health and eating practices. So there's a lot of, like, malnourishment, but also, like, I don't know, fear around, like, how much they could have, like what they can even Mm -hmm. stomach. It's very sad. Oh, poor babies. And when we started this podcast, there were no rehabilitation practices for accused witches in Ghana. So in the past five years, some real progress is being made. And hopefully this is just the beginning. So I'm curious to see what other therapies and restorations will come to these survivors now that these situations are being made more aware throughout the world. So fingers crossed, hoping for the best, that posi-posi change. I'm glad people know this is an issue and are working to find solutions to it or at least help those people. Yeah, it's really amazing. And I do feel like there's so many people in Ghana that have like really dedicated their whole lives to this and like protecting mm-hmm. these people and protecting these these young children and young people. Yeah. No, it's really good. Okay, our last story. We're looking towards the future a little bit. We're looking out for that Yevle goat. Do you remember him? Of course I remember him. I think about him every year. Is he okay? Are we go? Oh, yeah. He's thriving right now. Well, I mean, right now he's not even born, but, you know, he's it's on his way. On Sunday, December 3rd, the Yevle goat will once again be erected in Castle Square in Yevle, Sweden. And as we, yeah. as we eagerly await his return, here are some Yevle goat facts for you. He is made out of 56 straw mats of five meters tied together. Americans, that is 56 straw mats of 16 feet. They long. That's so long. That's taller than me. 600 meters of string is used. That's nearly 2,000 feet of string. I had to, I had to figure it out. She did all this math. So that we knew. 12,000 knots are tied by hand. How many is that in American? <laughs> it's just a knot. It's just a little it's bow. It's one single knot. It's one single knot. 1,200 meters, nearly 4,000 feet of timber is needed. Holy shit. 2,500 nails are nailed to make this goat. Acrylic? And- no. <laughs> Sorry. I know what you meant. ba ba da 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 Bop. Gel. 1,000 working hours are required to make the goat. Also, I don't think I realized this, but they build the goat on site. 
We're not building this goat beforehand and shipping him to Yeble. In the days leading up to his reveal, you have goat builders working their asses off to meet the deadline. And you can follow their construction on the webcams that they have on their website. The Yevle goat has an inauguration ceremony on the first day of Advent because he's so important. And this year, his inauguration will be by the group KF Heroes. KF Heroes is a Yevle local association for people with disabilities that organizes various sports activities and other like fun activities, including discos. Really? That's a fine looking group, you know? Swedish discos? Oh my gosh, how fun. Also, at the Yevle Goats inauguration, there will be crafts for the whole family, a holiday market, mulled wine, ice skating, and a gingerbread train, which I don't know what that means. Is it made out of gingerbread? Can you eat the train while you ride it? Is it, yeah, well, you, does it just have like, is it a plastic train with just like gingerbread men on it? I don't know. I need answers. I know. I need to know where on the Willy Wonka Wonka scale I am. Yeah. Because then I know how afraid to be. That's so true. And I want to go to this so bad. We should go. We should go. But it's going to be so cold in Sweden. I know. In yeah. December? Mm-hmm. And we hope that the Yevle goat survives this year of 2023 and ushers us into whatever hellscape 2024 may be. But it's a better hellscape with the goat. We need the goat. Yeah. Yes. I feel like the goat without goat, we are defenseless. Sans goat, it's bad. And this has been... Which is in the news. Oh my God, thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you to our troops, the Yevle troops, building our goat right now. The goat builders. Okay, let's transition into the final segment of season five. Woo! This is a spell that Alicia found, which is a spell to bring in to the new year with a Yule log. Yes. So we know what those are. You have weeks. Probably three weeks to get this Yule log on tap, locked down, strapped in. Okay? Mm -hmm. So no excuses. You can do it. This is what you need. A log. Great. Sunflower oil for happiness. A green candle, a white candle, and a red candle. And then some spices, some magical spices. Cinnamon, chamomile, and chopped basil. Don't bring me a full basil. I don't want it. All right, you can chop up your full basil. Yes, but don't bring it to me. By the time I see it, that shit better be diced and sliced. Mm-hmm. Something to turn the candles on with and something to turn the candles off with in case of a candle emergency. In case you make a log fire. <laughs> and whatever else uh, you want to decorate your log with. So first off, baby witches, you know the routine cleansing ground. Three deep breaths. Hee-hoo, hee-hoo, hee-hoo. Second, I want you to dress your candles with the sunflower oil. And it doesn't have to be sunflower oil, but find something that's like kind of going along with the vibe, right? And that's safe. No motor oil. Ew. That's disgusting. Okay. So then you're going to lay out your red candle, your white candle, and your green candle. And on the red candle, you're going to sprinkle cinnamon for success. On the white candle, you're going to sprinkle chamomile for peace and love. And then on the green candle, you're going to sprinkle basil for wealth and prosperity. Then what I want you to do is you're going to light your candles and adhere them to the log by dripping the hot wax onto the wood and then like pressing the candle down onto the log. You can also drill into the log if you're handy like that, if you're worried about them like tipping over. And make sure these are like little guys. Like you don't want a big candle. You want a little candle. Mm -hmm. And that's basically it. Like decorate the space around your log. Make sure there's nothing that can catch on fire. And then when Yule rolls around, you have your Yule log ready. Light that shit. And activate your super spell for the new year. 
I love that. I love like bringing in energies to the new year. We're doing something for Yule. Perfect spell. 10 out of 10. I'm glad I found it. You're welcome. Baby witches. <laughs> Dude, and that's our show. Wow. Did you think that we would do half a decade of podcasting when you started, when you moved to New York City? I never thought of it like that. Half a decade of podcasting. I figured we would do the podcast until one of us died. So half a decade later, we're still going strong. Yeah, we did. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my expectations is that there's no way either of us are going to admit weakness. And so we will just have to like power through, pass away <laughs> in our and sleep. And then by that point, maybe, I mean, by that point, I feel like AI will take over. Oh, hopefully. And we'll be like, welcome to witches. Yeah, yes. <laughs> witches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, a podcast for casual conjurers and uh, trainings. And your goofy aunt. And your goofy Yeah, exactly. But until AI comes, we have a few people we'd like to thank. And that includes Marcel Perez, our producer, Mallory Jordan, our creative director, and Kevin McLeod for the music that we use in the intro and outro each episode because we love it so much. It sounds so fucking witchy. And to more non-AI people, I would also like to thank real human beings that leave podcast reviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Um, hey, Newsflash, the podcast that we were in competition with ended last week. Thank God. I didn't like this competition. So we just have a few more reviews to go, and then I can give up the ghost and move on. Anyway, before I do that, please go onto Apple Podcasts, leave us five reviews, not five reviews, give us five stars, write us a review. It costs you nothing, and it means everything to me. I love that. And if you want to find me, Alicia, on Instagram, I'm at Alicia, period, herder. If you want to find Miss Tara on Instagram, I'm at her lovely face. And the podcast is on Instagram at which, yes, you can share an episode of your stories, tag us, we'll feature you on our stories. They have them good memes on the Instagram. Definitely. I say some good, good videos up there. We also have a Discord server. You can join our Discord server by clicking on it in the show notes. And if you don't like the socials, you can always contact us via email at witchesspodcast at gmail.com. And baby witches, if you're just so, so hungry, thirsty, 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 devastated, need more time with us, can't possibly let go, Alicia and I, we're going to take our winter break. We do this every year. But do you know who doesn't get a break? The Patreon witches. $5 Patreon witches and above are going to continue to get their extra episodes a month. So every off week, they get an extra episode. Last one was on singing bowls. Next one was on... So we're very scary. $10 and above get access to our close friends list and more. Plus, they get access to uh, knowing what the next episode's about. They get to ask questions. Momo, just a consistent question asker. Always gets her questions answered. So good. Uh, so yes, yeah, so you get access to early shit, merch. Uh, you know when the episodes are coming out late because Alicia and I have shit going on. And uh, that's the place. Head over to our show notes. Get that link. Give me five bucks. I need it. In this economy, I need it. I'm begging for it. And I guess because we're begging for it, that means this has been Witch. Yes. Happy Yule. I love you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.